This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. What made me think of this? I thought to myself, though, I'm surprised we're not seeing panic buying every time they mention uh, nuclear war. I don't know if that would be the kind of thing that would trigger panic buying, but you would think, so on some level at least, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just not aware of it. You know, if you get, uh, I mean, heck, if you hear that the gas prices are going up, there will be a spike in in buying. If interest rates are going up, you'll see uh, a spike in home buying. They make an announcement, oh, rates are going, if you're going to buy, you better buy now because uh, rates are going to go up another point. I think I saw uh, mortgages right now about five and a quarter, five and a half. I think I saw some higher than that. But even at six and a quarter, six and a half, uh, I've uh, gone through this story. But for any of us that have any kind of a history, uh, you've seen days where the rates were a lot higher still historically low, I think. I don't know if it's completely accurate to say that. They were historically low for a very long time, uh, you know, hitting incredibly low, low, low rates. Uh, this uh, push of money into the economy to create overconsumption, really. There's other words, too. You know, it's just saturated markets everywhere. And it's created a lot of, of economic destruction. But anyway, you know, you've got the whole psychological impact when people think that you know tomorrow the price is going to be higher they're going to miss out on something they'll tend to uh, panic i don't know what else you would call it so i'm surprised we're not seeing some of that i'm surprised we're not seeing people hoarding things like gasoline it's a little harder to do these days you can't just dig a hole in the ground and stick a tank in there and even if you did the gasoline wouldn't uh, wouldn't hold you have to treat it at the least, and then even with that, you got maybe two years shelf life on the gasoline. Just doesn't uh, last very. I think the older gasoline did, didn't it? If I'm not mistaken, the old leaded gasoline that was just you know completely uh, destructive for the environment. I guess. Remember, they're just choking on the car fumes. Like, it took a lot to convince the world to go to unleaded gasoline. And, and then I'll, I watch, you know, we're down here. It's all liberals where we are. Hard to find a, a conservative, hard to find a Republican. Very environmentally conscious people, many of them in hybrid cars, lined up for a half hour to shot, everybody picking their kids up instead of riding the bus. Really amazing. They say there's no white privilege. I'll tell you right now, they're not lined up like that in the ghetto. Not really. <laughs> not in those cars anyway. Yeah, I don't know. You're going to call it white privilege. There's uh, not all white people for sure. What are you going to do? I'm joking around. Don't get all upset about it. Shouldn't have said it. I'm going to be like uh, Troy Aikman. Who was it? Was it Troy Aikman, I think? What did he say the other day? I want to. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't Troy Aikman. Some uh, announcer. I don't watch football, so I don't know. And uh, there was a, a penalty called on roughing the passer or something like that, and he said, uh, we need to take the skirts off or something like that. <laughs> well, guess what? Not everybody appreciated the jestfulness of that comment, and neither do I. Horribly insensitive. He should apologize. 
He should have his head delivered on a silver platter to the liberal kings and queens, wherever they may be. Indeed. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. Uh, You know, given the times we live in, I've said it before. The best thing to do is to be prepared. You know, if you're if you're in a situation, you know, how do I stock up now? The answer is probably that you're not going to be able to. Or if you do, you'll waste so much money doing it is the other thing. And uh, I talked about it the other day, you know, the economic buffer, the the, uh, the reality buffer, if whatever goes wrong, which there's just a lot of scenarios bouncing around these days. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I recommend the book, Hope for Survival. You can get it at hopeforsurvival.com. Go check it out. And uh, I think if you read it, maybe you'll be like me. You'll, you'll be convinced at the need to look at things a little differently. And I don't know that the way I do things is exactly the way Butch describes it in the book. Probably and definitely not, actually. But it definitely changed my way of thinking, uh, caused me to, you know, take a step back. So, you know, just something simple. Like, what if the heater breaks down in the middle of winter and we can't immediately replace it because of supply chain issues? Right. Or to get, I can get you one tomorrow, but it's going to be $18,000 for a $6,000, $7,000 unit, right? And it's zero degrees out. And now you got to say, huh, what do you want to do? You know, now uh, yeah, there's other means available in a situation like that for temporary heat and kerosene heaters and temporary propane heat and um, you know, it's used widely in construction, but I, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a holiday weekend. You probably still get some service from like an HVAC company in a situation like that. But anyway, I don't know, maybe it's not the best example, but you get the idea. What if, if power is interrupted, you know, now we have a, a generator, but here that's a, the big concern I see for people that, don't realize that if you lose your power in the winter, you're going to lose your heat, even if you have gas or oil, because it's not going to run the circulator pumps and the, the furnace won't run. People don't realize that. Boom, you have no heat. Uh, how do you prepare for those things? Even for what could be a simple situation could really become dire. And this was proven correct in Texas when they had that freeze over. And uh, people down there still remember it very, very well. Even all the way down to San Antonio, it was freezing cold down there. San Antonio is practically Mexico, if you don't know. It's very far south. And they never see cold, you know, now because of climate change. It's not true. Um, but I like to do it for the uh, algorithms, right? You know what I mean? I got to fake them out once in a while. Due to climate change... All the way down in in, in uh, uh, San Antonio, it froze over, never before, but now because of climate change. <laughs> this is going to help the ratings, trust me. Uh, anyway, uh, I recommend preparing yourself. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If it sounds like I'm beating around the bush a little bit, maybe I am. I don't know. The news I find these days to be very boring. I remember Michael Savage used to go through this every once in a while. And I haven't listened to Savage in forever. Um, I'm not going to say anything about that. I just put it this way. I don't have, I don't have the time. I haven't you know, been able to get back and check it out. But, 
you know, he was uh, he was an icon for sure. But anyway, he would have times where he would just, you know, be like, yeah, I, I, never, I can't do news right now. I'm just going to talk to you. And, you know, it was funny. He would, uh, I guess, not so apologetically in his, his case. But uh, a lot of times I found that to be the best radio that he did, to tell you the truth. You know, it's the, 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 the medium of... Uh, the of oration, the spoken word, uh, is can be part entertaining. Should be, I guess, on some level. I don't know. I don't know if my nonsense is entertaining as his nonsense, but I have to believe on the nonsense scale. I'm doing okay, wouldn't you say? Speaking of nonsense, uh, Chris in Oregon says, "How about tr- Trump Putin 2024?" I don't see why not. I didn't get a chance to respond back to him, and he said, how about Trump Gabbard? I'm in. Um, I think it would be uh, I think it would be a both uh, a, a, a genius idea for sure. Chris says that Oregon has a real shot at electing a Republican governor. Good. I hope it happens. Let's we'll see. Maybe other places as well. The Republican Party needs a lot of help, but maybe I'll talk about that after the election if it's a better timing. Probably not. I don't know when there is better timing. And it's really not a good practice for anybody who wants to, to run for office. They don't want to start bashing the party that you're affiliated with. And I don't even I have to even say I'm an affiliated Republican right now. I don't even want that association, quite frankly. I guess that's just the way it goes. I'm just being honest with you. So anyway, the news is a little boring. I want to talk about some other things. Savage. He used to, what did he used to say? I'm stalling, I think, or something like that. I'm stalling. This was funny. Uh, we went down to a soccer game a couple of weeks ago for my, I guess he, it's, my, it's my nephew's daughter. I don't know how this extended lineage works. Don't ask me these kind of questions. My wife says, it's, it's your second cousin. Don't you understand? No, I don't know that I ever will. I just don't get it. Once you get past, like, uncle, <laughs> I'm pretty well lost. Uh, it's like everybody's just like becomes a cousin at this point. So my cousin niece, um, her birthday party they had down at the soccer stadium where the Philadelphia Heat plays down on the waterfront down in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is actually below Philadelphia. And it is ghetto land, man. Big time. Big time ghetto land down there. Uh, lots of crime, all like Section 8. And I don't think I'm being over dramatic. You can check it out for yourself. Find somebody who disagrees with that assessment that I just gave you. And I will apologize and make a donati- donation to the Greater Chester Society for Advancement or whatever the closest charity to that would be. I don't know. Anyway, we were down there for this game. And had really a wonderful party. Got to see my brothers I hadn't seen in a while. And um, anyway, my daughter didn't want to stay. And I said, you know, why don't you want to stay for the game? And she said, maybe I told you this. Maybe I'm repeating myself, which is really horrible. I don't think so, though. And she said, I don't want to watch a bunch of men chasing a ball around a field. And I'm thinking to myself, good Lord. Um I, you know, I, I hate to say this if I'm wrong, and I don't mean to be finger-pointing. It definitely could have came from me. <laughs> this is my first assessment. But as I thought about it a little bit, I thought, you know, she, it might have actually been her grandmother, too. Um, I don't want to point any fingers, like I said, if I'm wrong about that. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I actually 
I agree. It's just interesting that uh, she picked it up. And quite frankly, I was happy to leave at halftime or whenever we, we left out of there. And we weren't the only ones, so it was kind of a uh, hit and run. I just thought it was funny that, that my daughter thinking the same way. And uh, so we, uh, she wanted to go for a walk last night. And I was just settling down to do some things. And she said, hey, do you want to go for a walk? I got to take the trash out uh, with mom. And um, she said, you want to you go outside when, when, I'm, when I'm done? And I said, well, I, I just I got some things to do. I'm going to be about a half hour. And she's like, uh, okay, uh, I can wait a half hour. And um, I just said, you know what? Actually, let's just go outside right now. And just, you know, it's just thought I'm looking at her her response. I'm like, she wants to go outside. And quite frankly, and I'm sure I've said this a million times before in, in many different ways, but I'm going to say it again because it's good advice to you and me as, as well. I think with everything going on in the world right now, quite frankly, the best thing on the planet that we can do for our physical, emotional, and mental health, probably spiritual as well to some degree, is get outside. I, there's little that would convince me otherwise right now. The, the best thing that we could do is just if we just get everybody outside for recess <laughs> a couple times a week, I think we would start to see a change in the mood and the culture. People would realize the two genders isn't so bad. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Uh, maybe I am. But either way, I think it would be good that, that people get outside. Either way, I definitely think it's good for kids. It's good for my kids. It's good for me. And so we were we were outside having a good time. But anyway, uh, I didn't want to just wander around the yard because eventually boredom sets in and then either she gets in trouble, it doesn't end well, or uh, it's not a good. So I said, let's go. We're going to go walk the perimeter. And... Um, I said, we need to do that every once in a while. And I just, I was out front earlier realizing I hadn't been out there. I got some weeds out there. And so I'm like, oh, I didn't come up here in weeks at this point. And it's funny how time flies, right? So let's go walk the perimeter. I'm going to go check the side of the property, make sure the drainage is clear and the trees are okay. And anyway, we're walking down there. And I said, you have to make sure when we get inside, you check for ticks. Seems like every time we go on that one side, uh, we get ticks over there. Well, anyway, she says, shh. And she's like, come here, come here. And I'm like, this kid's in the... She's like, I hear something walking. And uh, I'm thinking, she's losing her mind. She Like, sometimes she can be a little, what I would say, kooky. Well, anyway, I'm thinking she's being kooky, right? And I go walking, nothing. Nothing's there. So there's like a, a bush row there of varying depth. So we walked around a little bit. And she's like, come on, I think it's over here. I'm like, oh, good Lord, stop with this. And I said, I think we should turn around. I'm like, here we go. Here's that point. that. <laughs> so uh, don't you know I look down, there's a, a fresh uh, deer pile there. And I'm thinking, son of a gun. <laughs> there may very well have been something there. So anyway, I, I turn around, I start walking back to encourage her to walk back, trying to soften this transition, which worked, by the way. The story ends happily. I'm happy to report. So she's behind me a ways, maybe 20 yards. I stop. I see her look down. Dad! <laughs> I know. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, we walked the perimeter, and then we ran the dogs. And 
uh, had a good time. I showed her how the dogs are starting to tear up the yard, which isn't good. It's a little early, too. You gotta be, we got to be careful how we run them out there. It tears the heck out of the yard, and then you've got a mud problem in January and February if, uh, if you get a thaw or something like that. Oh, so let me, let me go into this story real quick, and then I'll get into something a little more serious. So I've been talking about this deck project. And uh, let me tell you what the deck story second and what's going on with this. So when we moved in, uh, we lo- it's actually two decks. We have an upper deck and a lower deck and then a patio on the very bottom. So it's really three tiers. And uh, it's a great setup. We love it. We love the arrangement. It's uh, completely private back there. Um, we've got a couple sliding glass doors out of the living room and the dining room. And there's a door out of the kitchen right by the refrigerator and walk right out that door and the grill's right there. We put um, a ramp off the side to a dog run, which I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Uh, that'll be my grand finale, the dog run. We'll get to that. Anyway, uh, here's the deal on the deck. We bought this place, and uh, there was just a lot of neglect and repair needed on the deck, um, particularly with the railings. And um, we spent quite a bit of money doing all that. Within a year, the deck was looking really rough. Um, just constantly have to power wash it. There's a tree that overhung the deck. It was like, a, I think he called it a sugar maple, maybe. And this thing is dripped in uh, this sap constantly. And it dry, it's a very dirty tree, you would call it. And these leaves would be coated in the sap. And when they'd fall, they'd just stick on the railing and leave this print and on the deck and everywhere. It was constant, right? The other thing that was happening was that the there was ants, and we knew we had the ants taken care of. The ants came back. The guy said, look, you know, you're going to keep having ants as long as that tree's here because the ants are living in that tree, and there's really no way for me to kill them without killing the tree. And we said, that's no problem. We're killing the tree. And the tree needed to come down. Thank goodness we did. This was right before the tornado. Probably heard me talk about this. This tree was overhanging our deck and house. Imagine if we had to go through a tornado with that, right? Would have been a problem. So we had it all taken down, and I kind of hated to do it. Uh, you'd shine the light up on it, and you'd be up there. The deck is elevated a little bit, and it felt like you were up there in the tree, and it was really cool. Uh, unfortunately, it was just impossible to maintain. And it, the ants just pushed us over the edge with that. So the tree came down, we solved all that, and here I am trying to recover from all that. Um, so, uh, you know, we had to replace all the steps. There's actually a third deck, a small deck on the side. We replaced all the stairs, um, most of the railing, and uh, got everything fixed up. Well, anyway, um, I guess there was uh, ant damage to the one section of railing that we didn't realize. And... Um, I guess over the winter, the railing actually broke, which led me to believe it was actually rot in the post that created that. And um, that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. I don't, you know, looking at it, like, sagging there, like, it was just, I put the grill in front of it, to, and it's even, I knew it was there. It just drove me nuts. So anyway, uh, this was my most recent project was fixing this, which was a relatively easy fix for me. I pulled this thing apart. And um, rebuilt the post, uh, put some support in there. Bada boom, bada bing. I was done in no time. Well, the problem was to go over there and work on this thing. This is so that's part of what's been going on with the deck and the history of that. That's what you hear me talking about. The other thing is, uh, 
they put uh, the 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 um, the the, the uh, uh, what do you call it? skirting? Jeez, <laughs> the skirting underneath the deck. They used that old um, lattice, right? The white vinyl stuff, and I'm like, I, I can't have that. That's just not my. That's not our style, you know. And um, so we replaced the, the biggest area, the most visible area. I said the deck is elevated, but then the, the lower deck conceals a lot of the rest of it. Um, so my son and I did the skirting on the, on the high side and built a door into it and a place for the hose, and it worked out really great. And uh, anyway, I want to finish that as well as kind of my – I'm sorry I didn't do it in the first place, but anyway – it's been a bit of a project. So anyway, I got to fix this railing. It's over on the dog run side. And what we did is we, we basically doubled up the fence over there. And um, there's a gate, but we keep that closed. And they, we let them out the door onto the deck. And we made a, a, a railing, a, 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 a gate in the railing. And we let them out. And then there's a ramp that takes them down into the dog run. And I had to actually raise the ramp up to reduce the slope because our little dog gets stuck on there in the wintertime. And let me tell you, it's a real problem. you got to go out there and get her. And it can be quite treacherous on a number of different fronts. Um, but anyway, i got to go in the dog run. So this is where we say, I say dog run, if you don't know what I mean, this is where we send them to do their business. And we're pretty, we're not fanatical about keeping cleaned up after them. Let's just say I don't like a lot of crap in the yard, you know what I mean? And so I've gone, you know, Monday through Friday when I've had a busy week, but I try to keep that very rare. Sometimes in the winter, the weather's really bad and it's snow and stuff. It can be a while. It could get a little messy. Anyway, right now, it's really cleaned up. I just cleaned it up the other night, so I knew that it was really pretty much completely clean. Pretty much. So here I go. I go tiptoeing out there with my uh, my no-name cordless drill that I got, I think, on Harbor Freight. I might have, I might have got that on Amazon. I go tiptoeing out there in the dog run, knowing the dangers that could be lurking behind those tall grass blades. Now, fortunately, the grass had just been cut, so I had that on my side, as far as I could tell. But uh, you can just kind of picture me, kind of like Bob Vila. (laughs) Tools in hand, blocking, pre-cut, ready to go. I I take a a careful look to make sure I'm not going to step on a landmine, and I begin my work. And I'm making quick work of this uh, railing. It's really amazing. Sometimes I amaze myself with these things. Rarely do things go so right for me. But uh, on this particular occasion, they were. It was a beautiful night. I don't know, 62 degrees, right? Shorts and a t-shirt on. It wasn't hot at all. Nice clear night. No bugs. No landmines. Free and clear. Ba-boom, ba-bing. The railing is fixed triumphant I think to myself I smell dog and they're hidden (laughs) in the one spot I didn't look and you would never think you would step in the course of this work and suddenly I didn't feel like Bob Vila anymore I wonder if this kind of thing happened to Bob Vila ever I'm sure it got cut out oh oh (laughs) wow Bob (laughs) 
it's that odor. <laughs> uh, there's something wrong with you people. I can't believe you find that funny. I wasn't even. I, that was a complete uh, sarcasm there. I can't believe you fell for it. <laughs> so much for Bob Vila. Uh, the railing looks great, nonetheless. The shoes cleaned up fine. <laughs> and uh, what are you gonna do? Let's get into a couple of news stories. The uh, carefully hand-picked news stories from a lineup of thousands from news sources around the world. I have taken that and narrowed it down for you into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the most important stories that you need to hear right now. Really? Really? This is that important, so pay attention. Uh, the new British Prime Minister, uh, she was ready to cut taxes, cut taxes for the wealthy. That'll bring back the economy. Somehow it didn't work. Inflation or something roared on. I don't know, but suddenly she was backpedaling from that, and she's pandering to this and backpedaling on everything. I don't think that some of these people that are, are running for these offices fully realize uh, how things work necessarily and who really controls what sometimes and it's always going to be that way people don't people don't want to accept this but uh, you know money talks right and uh, you know for well the wealthy are going to be protected they have the cash they have the property I mean <laughs> the very wealthy right so they'll be fine whatever happens ultimately, it always happens that the money ends up in the hands of a very few at the top. The key is really to create a society where there's a, as big of a middle class as as is reasonably can be supported. But anyway, I thought it was very interesting that she came in in such a Trump screeg fashion, cut taxes, taxes, taxes. And it worked so well for Trump. It really did bolster the economy. It really did jumpstart the economy. It was a great time. And the debt continued to increase heavily. Lots of it they blamed on COVID. But I think that spending was coming regardless. It wasn't anything that anybody was going to do about that. That's my belief. And it had to continue under Biden. It was just there was a shift in what the money could be used for. But this woman, I don't really know too much about her, but my sense is that you just you had somebody come in that uh, a bit naive, lacked the experience and the contacts to really understand what they were dealing with. And a lot of the same happened to Trump, right? Just getting taken to school over and over. Well, they better hope he doesn't win again, especially with four years to think about it. You come back strong as ever. So I'm not surprised that she's, she's uh, what do you say, floundering around? I don't know. I don't know if that's fair. I don't mean it to necessarily be critical. Like I said, I don't really know the situation. Maybe somebody knows better. You can uh, educate me on that. But I'm not, I'm not surprised one bit, not one bit. Uh, I thought this was interesting. People don't learn. Markets don't learn. It's not that markets don't learn. You just always seem to have a buyer for everything. Uh, that's going to come up again uh, in a second here. But demand for riskier home loans is high as interest rates soar. So let me tell you what's happening. 
and I don't know this to be fact. I just know it from the past. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're doing it a little differently. But something along these lines, they're giving people adjustable rate mortgages. What did I say rates are? Five, six percent. Well, we can get you in at three. Oh, really? <laughs> but then it's gonna it's gonna go up a point next year and it'll go up a point the year after and it'll cap out at fifteen <laughs> percent. I don't think that's the case, but um, you know, it'll it'll go up and it, and uh, it'll either have a balloon that you have to refinance or it'll jump up to be you know, market plus three or, or something like that. And that's what gets people. They're trapped in a loan that you think, oh, you know, interest rates are five or six right now. I'm going to get in at three. I know I'll pay a penalty, but they're going to come back down to three. And so it'll be worth it. And that's not probably what's going to happen. And people are going to destroy themselves with these home loans. History has proven it to be the case. Why do they continue to be made available? It's a serious question, really. Why is that? Why is that? Why isn't the the, the, the system set up like the VA home loan process? The VA uh, funding fee points fund that program. It has the lowest default rate of any mortgage program, and it funds itself. And I'm, I don't know that you can get a, a VA adjustable rate. Maybe somebody knows the answer to that. Anyway, it's a little off point anyway. Why would people think that this is a good idea? Particularly now, home prices probably in jeopardy, to say the least. Uh, I would expect at least a bit of a dip, and especially if you've got a, a junk property, you know, stuff that was you know selling before. If it wasn't, you know, if it was a teardown, even they had uh, uh, investors that would come in all over the place and scoop these things up and rebuild them and and flip them. Flippers, right? That's what you call them. Renovators, flippers. I don't know. Same thing. And I think it's great. It's a great business. It's good for the community. Some of these places, you drive down these blocks, you can clearly see where the flippers were, and it's been great. But anyway, uh, you don't have that that market there the same way, and so I could see a lot of stuff. You know, the the values dropping heavily. Where we're at with our property type, I don't think it's dropped at all as of yet. To be honest with you, uh, I would think it'd probably be a little bit longer to sell, a little bit longer to get to closing, maybe than it would have. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. You know I, maybe I'm wrong about that, but. It's really hard to say. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot on the market here. And that's really what happens here where we're at. People just don't don't sell then. So you got these riskier home loans out there on top of everything else going on. And that'll be end up being some kind of a loan forgiveness program. What do you call it? See, the, the reason that uh, they have to do this funky stuff with the college loans is because they've made it that they, they can't be declared in bankruptcy. The home loans can be declared in bankruptcy. So what happens? The, uh, enough people default on these loans. The banks go bankrupt, and the government steps in and bails out the banks, <laughs> and we pay for it. It's you know same. Th- I, I guess you don't call that debt for you call that bailout, not debt forgiveness. What's the difference exactly? In either case, we the the taxpayer is picking up the burden of that. But, you know, in the era of most of the money's just printed out of thin air anyway, who really cares about these little trivial matters at the end of the day, I guess? Anything to keep the economic engine moving. We must. We must. And it's true. We must. 
Uh, but some of the things we do are pretty hokey, that's for sure. Uh, so here you go. Somebody willing to buy anything. That's why you have these higher interest. You know, there's some bank somewhere, uh, somebody who's willing to do this deal, and investors willing to buy it up. And yeah, different yields and things like that. But uh, it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, why questions are swirling about who will buy most of the United States' thirty-one trillion dollars in debt and at what price? Uh, this is a market watch story, and it's a little misleading because uh, the thirty-one trillion in debt has already been sold. <laughs> That doesn't have to be resold, right? Uh, I suppose it, it's traded or it can be traded, but I don't know if that's a guarantee either. I don't know. But who, like, no, whoever takes it has to know that they're taking an instrument that's never going to be satisfied. And so, especially at that amount, could it be just simply that the, the market's just saturated and saying there's just, no more institutional buyers, not enough to absorb this kind of quantity. I don't know. But the more and more it seems to me that the government is going to have trouble finding buyers for debt. Not Russia, not China. Who knows what other uh, Russia coalition, coalition country? The Middle East? Do you think Saudi Arabia at this point is going to be buying U.S. Treasuries, I'd be a little surprised. And, you know, you maybe you remember some of this stuff. There would be times when uh, presidents and dignitaries would call on those wealthy Saudis. Hey, why don't you buy some, some Treasuries or whatever, right? Just to show that there's, a, you know, they pump a few billion dollars in to support the good old Uncle Sam spending habits and, and insatiable appetite to... Uh, be the world's military. I don't know. Also, I guess, what do you say? The chickens are coming home to roost. <laughs> Listen to me. Um, Russians search. This is Times of Israel reporting this, by the way. So don't take issue with me. I, I don't know that you're allowed to say Jewish anymore, the way things are going. I said the other day, I don't think it's Jewish people getting upset about that. It's just weird, weird Gentiles. Russians search for Jewish roots to flee Putin's army draft for Israel. And here's what I found very interesting. Did you know that if you live anywhere in the world, you could be a Russian citizen, as long as you have one grandparent, there's other rules as well, that you could have, I guess, without question, more or less, uh, citizenship in Israel can return there. So you have all these... um, Jewish people in Russia, Russian citizens, that because of this call-up, this draft, are uh, fleeing to Israel. And uh, Israel is a Jewish nation. And you say, okay, duh, what are you telling me? And I think to myself, why can't we be a Christian nation? You know, suddenly, I, and I think this uh, separation of church and state, um, I'm not suggesting that they be combined. I, I don't think that a legislated um, religion is ever a good idea. But why can't the government itself be bound to 
Christian values. And, you know, all that becomes very debated. It's not like Christians agree. It's not like there's no liberal Christians. Don't think, right? So plenty of room for argument and disagreement. We're not going to let go of that. Believe me. Come on. This isn't going to be some magical call for unity. I don't know. It's just I thought I found it was an interesting tie. I'm thinking, wow, Israel is a Jewish country. You say, duh, okay. Well, why can't we Protestant Christians have our own nation? I don't know. Somebody answer that question. I don't think you can do it. Uh, this was sent to me, but I had seen it. Maybe I, I just stopped talking about COVID. Maybe I talked myself out of it. All those days sitting here talking about COVID. I had to go back and listen to one of those here and there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember, really. Uh, Pfizer admits COVID vaccine never tested on preventing transmissions. It's just nobody cares. The whole thing was a scam, and they continue the scam. I don't know. They, they are just okay to uh, a booster for children. I forget what age group. It makes me sick, really. I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about it. Maybe so. You don't know the children, the child has asthma. Maybe I don't. Maybe you're right. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that. But thank goodness I don't have to deal with that. I don't want my child getting it. Do what you want. I'm not saying I'm not a vax denier. I'm not giving you any medical advice. You know, as I said earlier, for the sake of the, you know, the, the big tech, that the vaccines have proven to be safe. I don't know how they say that. And effective. <laughs> uh, um, I thought this was interesting. Louisiana, the state, I guess their pension funds, I take it, are divesting of BlackRock over ESG policies they feel are detrimental to the state and to the country. That's really a big deal. It's a big deal that the state would take such a a stance on such an issue in such a fashion uh, and and do it so quickly, actually. And um, I don't know what the politics are like down there, but I I didn't think it was that kind of uh, unity that would have been free from this kind of influence. But it's really pretty fascinating if they're saying, you know what, we don't want to have our investment with you. You're going to put these limits. We're going to put the money in other places. And I don't know, maybe the, the oil and gas industry down there is what, what turned that around. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that what, what triggered it, but I think it's fantastic. Maybe some other states will follow suit, like California. Yeah, right. But possibly Florida. Maybe some other uh, South Dakota, some of these other states where they have uh, these pension funds, maybe they'd consider pulling away from some of these so these damaging type socio-corporate takeover, hostilities, attacks on our, our borders and our language and our culture, to, to quote uh, uh, Randy, uh, Randy Michael Savage. Uh, and it's really true. They really have done all those things. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. Uh, The Department of Defense announced, I don't think that this is a a joke or anything like that. The Department of Defense announced it will rename nine United States bases. Uh, It sounds like they're going to, quote, correct Confederate names and change these bases over to names more acceptable, I guess, to the public. Oh, my goodness. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope to see you there. 